for all the news you need to know. Welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show, where great people and great topics are brought together for stimulating and thought-provoking conversation brought to you by the Vibration Radio Network. Everyone to the beautiful butterfly show. I'm your host Bianca Fly. Want to say happy Tuesday to you guys. Hope that you had a fantastic weekend. Hope that this week is starting off on a great and productive note for you guys. As always, you guys, I am excited that you guys are joining us this evening. We got a real special guest this evening, you guys. We have New York Times and USA Today best-selling author Kimberla Lawson Robbie, you guys. And uh, if you guys know, you guys know I'm excited. Because why? Because I have a lot of copies of her books on my bookshelf that I have read over the years. So I'm excited about having her on the show this evening. Um, we have a lot of people reach out um, saying, you know, this is my favorite author. I can't wait to tune in. So, hey, now is you guys' chance. So if you're out there, if you got a question or comment for, or if you just like to listen, feel free to call in 347-326-9139 is the number. Or you can download our app available on iPhone and Android. That's Y R N 1328. That stands for Your Radio Network. So make sure you guys go and check that out as well. So I'm not going to delay any further, you guys. We're going to get the lady of the hour on this awesome platform tonight, you guys, so you guys can learn more about her and her awesome uh, new book that she has out, you guys. I'm telling you guys are going to be in store. Uh, in store for a super treat tonight uh, because we're going to be talking about her new new book um, entitled A Sinful Calling. And if you guys know, a lot of people have been anticipating this book uh, and for its release, and I've heard nothing but great things about it, so I'm excited to be able to discuss this with her uh, today, you guys. So we're going to bring her on the line. Kimberly, are you there? Oh, am. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to talk to you again. Absolutely. It's definitely my pleasure. Uh, I myself am a huge, huge fan. I've definitely been reading lots and lots of your books over the years, so I am definitely honored to have you on the show this evening. Well, thank you again. Absolutely. So, of course, for the folks out there, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Kimberla lawson Ravi? Well, I have, as of A Sinful Calling, um, and as you said, you know, my most recent title that just came Mm -hmm. out last month, um, it is my 24th title. I 
uh, always like to say, uh, kind of come into writing by way of corporate America and just about everything else because <laughs> writing wasn't a lifelong dream. Uh, you hear okay. so many authors, which I just love to hear that, that so many authors knew uh, you know, when they were small children or even in their right. teen years or their 20s that they knew that's what they wanted to do. And for me, that just was not the case. And wow. I was actually yeah. 30 years old before I wrote the first book. Wow. And Things just kind of went from there. But I had always been told at an early age from elementary school, junior high, high school mm-hmm. teachers and even college professors that I had a gift for writing. I had a gift for storytelling. Yeah. And, um, right. and although I never paid a lot of attention to it, um, I, I certainly started to think back to that. And so right. now here I am. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And so what do you think it was like back then, even though people were telling you, you know, you had a gift for writing, uh, what do you believe it was that kind of made you not follow that direction but go, you know, as you said, as you said, into corporate America without, you know, really delving into your writing talent? Mm-hmm. Well, I know without any doubt that it had more mm-hmm. to do with, the amount of money and the salary that I was seeing that writers yeah. were making, uh, you know, right. <laughs> versus what folks who majored in business and marketing and finance were earning at the time. And so I, right. I always joke, well, you know, I definitely what was not going to be a writer. That wasn't going to happen. And, um, you know, but what a mistake I, I, I think that was. You know, on the one hand, I knew I still mm-hmm. had a lot to learn about life, and especially right. if I was going to do what I do, which is write about real-life social issues. And my mom, right. uh, years before she passed away, I remember saying, gosh, you know, I wish I could have started this right out of school, you know, right out of college yeah. and you know, started this. And she did say to me, what were you going to write about, though? And so yeah. I think, you know, everything is, is in perfect timing. God has his time set for everything Absolutely. that he wants you to do. And, and so it has just really really worked out. But um, I also tell young people, don't make that mistake that I made. Don't let money be the deciding factor mm. in terms of what yeah. you're going to do in terms of passion and purpose. Right, right. Uh, that, which is great advice because, I, I, and I've learned personally myself, a lot of times um, we go into a direction that we, we think we're supposed to go. You know, you go to college, you major um, in, a, uh-huh. in a certain, you know, subject, and so you figure, okay, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. But a lot of times we find ourselves yeah. unhappy, you know, in yeah, those modes, and we're so. just kind of going through the motion, you know, day to day of, okay, this is what this is what I'm doing, but I'm not really truly happy. So to be able to jump into something, you know, that you're really passionate about and you just love doing um, makes the mm-hmm. experience all worth more wild. It does. It does. It's, I, I think, a lot more rewarding. And, and so I share all the time when I'm speaking at various events around the country that it doesn't matter if you are 18 years old or 80 years old. It's never too late to do what God has placed you on this earth to carry out. We all have a journey. We all have different gifts and abilities that he's given us that no one else has. And And I think, you know, we have an obligation to use those. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I think we get at a certain point in our life, and we're thinking, "Oh, I'm too, you know, I'm too old to, you know, step in that direction or to do this mm-hmm. or to do mm-hmm. that." And, and we kind of limit ourselves, you know, um, yes. from, from accomplishing a lot of things. So for you, um, jumping out there, jumping out there on stage at the age of thirty, what was that like uh, to jump out there and decide, okay, I, I, this is what I'm going to do? It was. 
I have to say the decision I think I had kind of been thinking about making a change for a little while. I had found myself not happy, and I was always on yeah. what I call my next resume submitting campaign, trying to find mm-hmm. the next job. Um, or if I was already at a company, trying to move up the career ladder, the corporate ladder, trying to get a promotion. Mm-hmm. And so there was always this void that I felt, and I yeah. always knew that something was missing. Um, on the one hand, I did just want to be this this businesswoman at a management level, um, and that mm-hmm. you know my hope was that I could go as far as I could go in corporate America because I love the business world. Even to this day, I still love marketing and finance and yeah. the whole idea of business and how it works. But um, right. when I saw that that wasn't happening, I thought back to all of those teachers and professors and instructors, and that's when I started coming home every evening, and that was in 1995. I was working as a financial analyst for city government here where I live mm-hmm. and um, just started writing every evening, every weekend, every holiday. And I was diligent and knew this was something I wanted to stick to and get done. And I did that for seven months until my manuscript was completely written. Wow, wow. And, of course, for those folks um, who may not know, tell them um, what the name um, of your first book uh, was that mm-hmm. you published. The very first book was called Behind, or is called Behind Closed Doors. Behind Closed Doors, yes. Uh-huh. And so what was the inspiration um, behind uh, this uh, first uh, book that you put out? I wanted to write about women that I have always aspired to be, and that yeah. being two women who were best friends, but they both had great educations, they made great mm-hmm. income. They had great marriages. They lived in a nice house. And, you know, that whole American dream that, that so many of us hope and wish for. But also wanted to incorporate the fact that not everything can be perfect. Even with all of that, you're going to have issues and problems. And so I wanted to write about something that I thought I would enjoy reading. I started looking at it from that angle as well, and so it ended up being about two women, Karen and Regina, who were best friends and who fit the description of of what I just shared, and they looked great on the outside, but behind closed doors, their lives were really falling completely apart uh, in terms of what was going on with their marriages, and so it shows how they go through this process, all of the struggles and all the obstacles, all of the pain and the hurt, and they stick together however, as women and as best friends to put their lives back into perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. And what do you believe it is? Because I I found that uh, with your book you are able to, uh, I believe, grab every emotion it seems possible that (laughs) your character uh, would be going through. Um, So how, how have you been able to, do that over the years to be able to capture the full essence because I, one of the things for me um, as an avid reader, I love when an author is able to grasp me, you know, bring me into a character, and you're kind of feeling like you're sitting next to the character or you're in the room while things are going mm-hmm. on. Uh, for you, how have you uh, worked and constructed that over the years to make, you know, your books come to life, so to speak? The first thing that I believe, anyway, that has uh, allowed me to write a real story uh, with characters who feel very real, even though I'm writing about them in a fictional format, and that being that when I start out, before I ever create the characters or the the storyline, 
I decide what social issue or issues that I'm going to center the story on. So once mm-hmm. I have that in place, then I don't write anything out down at first about my characters, who they are. I start picturing mm-hmm. them and creating them mentally because for me they have to become okay. real, as real as you and me and, and the people that Absolutely. I see every day. And I Absolutely. see them. I know what they look like. I know what their problems are. I know what they've been through in childhood. I know what their careers are like. I know if they're struggling in one area of their life or another. I know if their parents are deceased, if they're alive, are they estranged. And so the list just goes on and on. And then from there, Mm -hmm. I do start to write down who they are, and I decide what their names are. And it can take me Mm -hmm. hours just to fully find the name that fits that character that I have created over days and days and weeks um, in my mind. And so from there, Mm -hmm. I write a three-page synopsis, usually two to three pages, And then from there, I outline that first 15 to 20 chapters. Um, It might be one page, one and a half, two pages, but I'll do that. And then I go back and I look at the synopsis for, say, chapter one, and I write it. And I keep doing that. And the characters really take on a life of their own the way that you hear so many times. Um, That is very true because many times they go in a direction that I have not planned on. I may have written that chapter 10 will be this, this, and this, but by the time I've gotten to six or seven they are moving in the direction spontaneously the way that they need to go, and then I just continue from there to the finish. Wow, absolutely amazing. And so, um, of course, um, with your books as well, um, I found that through the book, um, you also, uh, with the characters going through the various things that they may be experiencing, um, you also find a way um, to show, you know, the purpose of, of kind of going through things. I think sometimes in life, you know, things happen in our lives and we're thinking, my God, why is this, you know, why is this taking place? And we're not really yes. fully understanding at the particular time of why things are, you know, happening to us. But in your books, you kind of, even though people are going through things, you kind of tie it up to where people are able to have those moments where they, they see, you know, why they went through, you know, what they mm-hmm, went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what made you want to, you know, put that in your book um, instead of just, you know, you can create a character where things go on and then there's no resolve, but what made you want to put that in there where people can see, you know, there's hope, you know, after mm-hmm. all the chaos? Right. Well, I, I think because just for me personally and, yeah. and what my hope is is for me and for every other human being alive is that no matter how hard things become in our lives, no matter how tough you know, a situation might be, whether we're going through an right. illness or a loss of a loved one or it could be a financial situation, whatever it might be, that there is always hope and that there's always going to be a solution and that this too shall pass. No matter what you're going through, it's going to pass and that you should always remember that no matter how bad you believe your situation is, there's somebody next to you that would be glad to mm. trade places because there is so much worse off. And so that's part of my reason. And then the other is to really show that if we also make bad choices and we continue to do that and we don't treat people the way we want to be treated, Mm -hmm. that we're going to have to pay the consequence, that we will reach what we sow. But if we do the right thing, then we're rewarded in a positive way for that as well. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And what I want to do is I want to take just a quick break, and we're going to come back. And uh, so I know folks are wondering um, how the concept of the Reverend uh, Curtis Black uh, series came about. So we're going to talk about that, you guys, right here and more when we come back from this break right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Check out the creative work of the author Trent Williams of www.taylorkennedymedia.com. Chapter of the Delta gives us a peek at his life-changing events. And if that's not enough, Trent tells you more about his brothers and his life through memoirs in his book, The Four Horsemen. His blogs and daily stimulating quotes are published in his book, Life Little Addiction. And when you have a need of some human coaching of life and relationships, take a look at Conversations with Trent, Volume 1 and 2. And Conversations with Trent, Limited Edition. You will find his works available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all online book retailers. Welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. We're joined this evening, you guys, by author Kimberla Lawson, Robbie, you guys. And, Kimberla, I wanted to ask you, when it comes to, um, of course, the one of the dynamic series uh, that you are definitely known for, the Reverend Curtis Black series, and I'm sure mm-hmm. everywhere you go, people are wondering, how did you come up with the concept for Curtis Black? How did you uh, start that process of creating the character? Reverend Curtis Black. Well, you can imagine that I get that question a lot. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, because it is hard to, maybe not so much hard to believe, but just hard to imagine that this goes on yeah. as much as it does yeah. and that it's so prevalent. But uh, when right. I had written my first two books, I again written about real life social issues. I said to my husband, I want to continue that, but I really want this third book and and whatever that topic will be, I want it to be something that every single person from every walk of life will know about. It won't matter about their racial background, their social status, whatever right. it might be, they will either have experienced it or they'll know. And so he actually was the person who said, what about all of the issues that sometimes go on in churches? And that got me thinking because that crosses all denominational lines. There's no religious denomination left out of church corruption and scandal and and all of the hush-hush, you know, situations and and the the rumors and and everything that goes on when we're talking about that particular subject. And so Curtis is a mixture of many men that I have either known personally or either I have heard about throughout the years. And there's still, uh, as I travel around the country and still writing this series, I still get the personal stories and people will still tell me about something going on right in their city today. And so Casting the First Stone, the first book in the series, came out in 2000, and we're talking 16 years later. And if anything, it's gotten worse. And I think that's probably the most heartbreaking part of all. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's um, you know when we when people have the opportunity to read the book, um, I think your first initial response is, is shock because, like you said, uh, you know to think you know that there mm-hmm. <laughs> are people like this you know in the world, um, and these type of things do take place um, in church, but we don't often hear about it. You know, um, it's kind of you know swept under the rug, so to speak. 
So uh-huh. in time, did you ever get any flack from people, you know, who are in church um, about how the character uh, is displayed? I did not, and I hadn't That's thought awesome. so much about it or even considered that when I was writing the book. But by the yeah. time the book was published and I was traveling on tour that year, it did. You know, for at least a little bit, it crossed my mind what's going to happen if, let's just say, a pastor <laughs> or a wife or somebody comes out to an event. Right. I always, <laughs> right. I, sometimes I'll read. I always speak uh, at the event, and I do a Q&A session. And so you're just hoping, you know, gosh, I don't get that kind of a question or you have to deal with that kind of a confrontation. <laughs> And that never happened. Interestingly enough, it never happened. But what I do believe are are two things. The first thing is that if somebody is exactly like Curtis Black, I don't think they're going to confront me publicly because if somebody's going to confront (laughs) me, there's likely a reason for that. So um, I think that's part of it. And then the second thing is that I have had pastors and pastors' wives really come out and support me and invite me into their churches to speak to their women's ministries or to have book signing events because they agree that men who are misleading innocent people, those who are saying they've been called by God to preach and they're not, and they're Mm. doing worse than people who don't even call themselves Christians, people who don't even love and respect and honor God or attend church on Sunday are sometimes better people than certain church people, but they just believe that it's time that we do talk about that. And the other thing is that I think as members and as Christians of congregations, we have to hold ministers and pastors accountable for their actions. They're not perfect, neither are we, but I think if you're saying that you have been called, you ought to hold yourself to a little bit of a higher standard, and I think we need to hold that person to a higher standard as well. Definitely. I definitely agree. I think, um, and and as we have seen, you know, in the media over the years, um, how Mm -hmm. things have happened in church with certain pastors and how you have, you know, the congregation who some actually knew, you know, some of these these things were taking place but never said anything, Mm -hmm. you know. And so you have to think, you you know, not only do you owe it, um, you know, to the other people in the congregation, but you owe it to yourself to just be real about what's going on with you in your life. And so sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to step down <laughs> from, from certain mm-hmm. things uh, for a while to focus on us and get ourselves together before we can, you know, try um, to to lead people um, in a certain yes. direction. Um, and and that's exactly. the thing. And I think it's one of the challenges that a lot of people, or or people I know who don't necessarily go to church, that's their challenges because they're thinking, well. You know, with the, if this is going on with the pastor, you know, so you know how how am I, am I going to feel? You know, being you know going into this church and so forth. And so I think if we just show that, like you said, we're all human, and that we all go through things, I think that people will go in with a more open mindset, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not yes. feel yes. Um, a certain way. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. And so also I want to ask you for you, um, creating 24 um, titles now, are there any challenges or have there been any challenges to make the next book, you know, after the next book, uh, even better? Uh, Mm -hmm. Is there pressure to, to make it even greater than the one before? I, I would say yes. And it has, gotten worse with every single book instead of better and I'm sure you know you and and anyone else might think well okay after 24 books 
it should be easier. The fear shouldn't, right. you know, still be in place. But, no, I am fearful every single time I'm writing the book. And certainly yeah. when I finish it and submit it to my publishing house. And the worry is that it won't be good enough, that my readers will yeah. be unhappy. They'll be so disappointed that they're never going to read any of my books again. And that's going to happen anyway yeah. because you can't satisfy right. everyone. I you know, right. won't see the criticism. I can take the criticism. Uh, it used to be mm-hmm. a little harder, obviously, earlier on because you're new to right. the business. Your skin is not as thick as it needs to be. But now you right. recognize that for every one or two, if you're still getting another 10, um, you know, readers saying, I'm waiting on your next book or I enjoyed it, then you know you're still doing what you need to do and right. and, and you're still in, a, in the right place. But, yeah, there's that fear. And I know there are I've, – I've seen where I've seen a couple of comments where I've heard the reader say, Mm, you know, kind of it, you know, X amount of books in the Reverend Curtis Black series, so I don't want mm-hmm. to read any more of that. Some now only read my standalones. But then, again, it's such a small percentage in terms of comparing it to my entire readership, and I'm always going to focus right. on the majority of my readership. But still, the hope is that you wish people would just keep reading. I mean, you just can't help. That's just right. human nature to feel that way that you're Absolutely. hoping. You know it's not logical and that you could never satisfy everyone. If you even were blessed, and I don't see this happening, you had 99 people who love something, there's <laughs> going to be that one that makes up that 100 who hates Absolutely. it. So, yeah, so Absolutely. that's always still the challenge. And, and I don't think that will ever go away. I think it's just a part of the business and what we do. And, yeah. and that's the reason I don't focus on that. I don't change what I write or do anything different mm-hmm. based on um, the criticism, but it is the majority of my readers that I'm writing for, and that's who I listen right. to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you, because we have a lot of new and upcoming um, aspiring writers and authors um, that come through the show and that listen to the show, I mean, you mentioned something about, you know, dealing with the criticism, because a, a lot of times, especially nowadays, uh, with um, social media, um, a lot of people, artists, authors, business entrepreneurs, depend upon um, or look forward to seeing the reviews, you know, from the consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so as an author, what would be your advice, you know, to fellow authors about handling um, sometimes, you know, that criticism you get? Because like you said, you know, people are going to be very vocal about, you know, how they feel about the book or how you may have portrayed a character or so forth. So how um, have you learned, you know, to deal with that over the years and what advice can you offer, you know, to the authors out there? Well, you really do have to just kind of do some soul searching and just say, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this my Mm -hmm. calling from God? Is writing what I'm supposed to do? And am I supposed to write these kinds of stories? I think those are the questions that you have to ask yourself. And if you can say from your heart that you really are doing what you know you're supposed to do, what you enjoy doing, and you believe that it's helping even just one person, then that's what you have to focus on. Um, It can never be about the naysayers, and that goes for writers who are not even published yet, who maybe just have an idea for a book or they're in the midst of writing it is, you know, stay away from the naysayers and anyone who has anything negative to say about what you're trying to do because that will discourage you Mm -hmm. if you focus on that. And so I still do that today. If I see something even on social media, I'll block, you Mm -hmm. know, that if I know the person constantly, that's just not something I even want in my spirit. And, you know, it mm-hmm. doesn't bother me to the point where it's like, gosh, you know, 
I don't like that person because usually it's somebody that I don't know, but it just makes me feel like, wow, what is it that really, to me, my question is, and this is not just with my books, but it can be with movies, it can be with Mm -hmm. songs that a certain singer has put out. What is going on enough to make a person say, today I'm just going to put out the harshest, most cruel critical statement I get about another individual? It would Mm -hmm. never dawn on me to do that, whether I liked something a lot or I didn't like it at all. I mean, if, you know, that old saying, if you don't have anything good, you know, then you probably shouldn't say it. I mean, I'm just a believer in that. And I'm not saying that we don't need criticism to get better, but constructive criticism is what we need, not Mm -hmm. cruel, harsh, you know, really, really that, that criticism where you know it almost sounds more personal than it does about your work as a whole. Absolutely. Great, great advice. And uh, once again, we want to thank uh, everybody who's on the line listening. Uh, we definitely appreciate you guys taking the time. Uh, if you're out there and maybe you got a question or comment, feel free to call in. The number is 347-326-9139. All you have to do is press the number one. It will bring you in and allow you to ask your question or your comment. Um, and, what the, of course, we want to talk about a sinful calling uh, this book, um, a lot of people were definitely anticipating. Um, I saw a book of people pre-ordering. They were just really excited uh, about mm-hmm. the release of this book that happened uh, June 21st. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so with this book, A Sinful Calling, um, without sharing too much, uh, bring us into what uh, we're going to be in store for for A Sinful Calling. Well, A Sinful Calling is uh, a continuation of the series, of course, but Mm -hmm. it actually delves into the lives of the two eldest siblings um, and the two Mm -hmm. um, eldest children of Reverend Curtis Black. Dylan, who just Mm -hmm. came on the scene within the last three years, no one knew about him because he was a child that Curtis denied very early on. had a relationship with a woman who was a stripper. By the time he learned that she was pregnant and she was having this baby, he had already fallen in love with Tanya, who ended up being his first wife. He had been called into the ministry. He knew he wanted to become a pastor of a church, and he didn't see where Dylan could be a part of that, that that was totally going Mm -hmm. to ruin the plans that he had for his life in his future. So fast-forwarding to now, Dylan, of course, knows who his father is. He has come to town over the last three years, and wanted to really take his rightful place as the firstborn child. He wants Curtis's love and affection. He wants to be accepted. And he really feels as though the other children have had their time. And and so Mm -hmm. they should sort of basically move out of the way so that he can have his time with his dad. Well, it doesn't work. And, of course, he moves into this vengeful mode and wants to get back at his dad. And now he's doing that again. And he has started a church in a small apartment, but now he has 1,000-plus members. He's married. Uh, interestingly <laughs> enough, he's married to the woman who wow. is his chief financial officer who embezzled right. money from him and, and did prison time for. And then now Alicia, of all people, his sister, is his most favorite family member. They've become very <laughs> close because wow. Alicia is now estranged from her dad and the rest of her family mm-hmm. for the first time. She's married Levi, the former drug dealer, and life is great for yeah, them, but yeah. she's struggling with the guilt of the death of her first husband, which is really mm-hmm. indirectly a result of her having an affair on Philip, not just once but twice with the same person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and so with this book, 
Um, one of the things uh, that I enjoyed about um, not only this book um, but the book beforehand, um, mm-hmm. the, the relationship with Curtis and uh, Dylan is it, one that can be very challenging and is one that is very relative to how, some, unfortunately, some people's relationship with their children are now, where, you you know, mm-hmm. people have had children maybe outside of a marriage or outside of a relationship, and they've had nothing yeah. to do with them until they, you know, later on in life. And so mm-hmm. um, a lot of times those children are, you know, really struggling to, you know, I want to be a part of your life. You know, I want mm-hmm. you to, you know, as much time as you spent maybe with my, my other sisters and my brothers, you know, I want that time. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I believe that is a struggle that a lot of parents and, and some children and even adults are dealing with nowadays. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And so with this book um, and, and, and the, the whole setup and the whole synopsis, um, was this, do you believe um, a lot of people ask, um, are they going to hear more about, uh, are, they, are there going to be more pieces to uh, this story? Um, I know you just put this one out, and, I, and I'm pretty sure people are always anticipating when the next one's coming out when you just, when you just finished the next one. Will there be another one in store for the folks? That There's no doubt um, that there will be. And as a matter of fact, uh, in between time, between now this book and the next Reverend Curtis Black title, mm-hmm. I have finished up a book entitled Copycat. It will be out January 31st of next year. And it is a story awesome. that centers on two women, Tracy and Simone. Tracy... Uh, is a writer. Simone is an aspiring writer. She's written a book, actually, and, and is very, very talented and is looking to get published. But they become very good friends, and it mm-hmm. initially really doesn't have so much to do with the fact that they're both writers, but they just become very good friends. They click. They have the chemistry. And it isn't long, however, before Simone starts mimicking every single thing that Tracy does, whether it's her hair wow. style, it's her earrings that she wears, if it's the style of boots that she wears. And she no longer really likes the car that she drives because it's not like Tracy's, and it just sort of goes from there. And, yeah, so you get to see oh, what it's incredible. like. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, she is a reflection of, I think, more women in this country than most people realize. I think many people have a copycat and may not be completely aware of it. Some will have right. already told me that they do and can tell me what their experience has been like. And then you have copycats who I'm hoping when they read that book, they may see themselves. Because I don't think that mm-hmm. a person may necessarily see themselves in that respect. But um, I think it will be right. interesting just to see the inner workings Absolutely. of storyline and what each and character I, is dealing with. And I think a lot of people, like you said, don't realize that they may have a quote-unquote addictive personality, you know, um, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they, you know, they're able to, you know, when they're around certain people, they kind of adapt to the personality of, of, of whoever, whoever is around at that certain time. And so, like you said, I think sometimes we can be unaware you know, that mm-hmm. we, we are doing things or our mannerisms um, or the way, you know, we carry ourselves are that, that yes. resembles, you know, people that are in our social circle. And mm-hmm. I believe that sometimes uh, we have a, a 
uh, you know, in our mind, we, we think that, man, you know, I'm looking at Kimberly and her life is just great and it's fantastic, you know, so I uh-huh. want to imitate that, you know, but uh-huh. we don't really, uh-huh. we, we, we don't know what's fully going on in your life, you know, no, we only no, see, not at you know, all. on the outside, yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. And then I think yeah. what's even sadder is that you feel for a person who may feel as though that this is what they have to do to feel validated, right. that their own right. opinions and desires and their likes and, and just their love of what they really want to do in this life, that they may be stifling themselves and preventing themselves from truly being happy because they're not necessarily doing exactly what they want. They're doing what they believe they should be doing based on right. what someone else has. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we did have a question from um, Dana um, from Tennessee. She wanted to know, is there a chance that the Reverend Curtis Black Series will be turned into a movie? I wondered that myself. Yes, I've talked a lot about it on this tour because, okay. oh gosh, I would say maybe three years ago I was approached and an offer was okay. made from a studio for a motion uh-huh. picture. And uh-huh. I kind of debated back and forth and kind of walked away and uh, they came back and, you know, were kind enough to contact me and ask me again. And I just never had okay. the piece that I felt like I needed to mo- to move forward with it. Uh, okay. Last year, the same thing, a, a network um, offer, an opportunity came along for an actual TV series for the Reverend mm-hmm. Curtis Black title. But once again, I, I prayed and I never found the piece that I needed. Uh, in terms of making sure that a movie or TV series will, series will stay true to what I've written mm-hmm. in now, right. of course, all 13 books. Um, I know that it can't be exact. I know many changes will have to be change so that the storyline right. is able to fit and conform into that type of writing, you know, when you're talking about a right. screenplay or a TV script. But at the same time, uh, my values that I have in life, whether they be Christian, moral, or family, some things that Car- Curtis has done are awful, but there are things that he doesn't do because I do- that I do not allow him to do. Um, so right. I just need to know that I'm going to have that kind of a comfort zone, I think, before I can ever say yes to that. And, and that means that I would likely have to be a part of that process um, each week when the script is written or if it's a motion picture, I'd have to be uh, have to play a big part in the writing of that as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, and I think it would be great, and I, I I love how you said you wanted to make sure that it followed through on how you envisioned because as readers, you know, oftentimes we read books, and if they are maybe turned into a movie, we're thinking like, none of this happened in the book, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. I didn't read any of this. So to be able to stay true, you know, to what it is that you put out there, I think it's a great thing. Yes, yes. So I think that, you know, I know that it could happen, and it would be a great idea, um, you know, if we could see it happen in the way that I would like. And so, you know, we'll see. You know, I just keep hoping and praying for the best. But I have, of course, you know, become very comfortable with and I'm totally fine with the idea that if it doesn't, then I just know that it's not meant to be, and, and that doesn't change anything at all. Absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, if people want to catch up uh, with all of the 
23 titles. <laughs> Tell them where they can go to, to purchase them. It, they can go uh, to any of the online retailers, any of their favorites, whether it be independent bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, uh, Books A Million, Target, anywhere where you can actually purchase books online. Also, any of your favorite local independent bookstores nationwide, physical stores for Barnes & Noble, as well as the physical stores for Walmart. Um, my website, KimRoby.com, has links for all that I've mentioned, as well as you can read excerpts from each of my titles to see what you're interested in. If, for example, you are a reader who has not read any of my work or maybe only a couple of titles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, one of the great things uh, that I, I love is that uh, do it by pregnancy. Uh, all I did was pretty much it was some re- a lot of reading, and so during that time, it was a couple novels of yours that I was like, I haven't read. So I went uh, actually to my local library, and um, they had the copies there. And I remember checking out six books at a time, and the librarian said, "Wow, you must really love this. <laughs> you must really love this author." <laughs> and I said, "I do." I said, "But I'm behind, so I'm trying to catch up." Uh, but it is, it, 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 you know, the, all of the books, all of the books, you know, one after another. Um, it just makes you want mm-hmm. to continue um, reading more and more and more. Um, of the different uh, stories that happen and, and that take place, um, because a lot of times, um, some of the things that take place in the book, you know, are very relative to what's happening with people day to day. You know, we just don't mm-hmm. hear about mm-hmm. it. Um, yes. And so it, it gives us a way of, of seeing things that take place through other people's eyes and and learning how to heal and grow. Um, through it all, so I, I I definitely just want to commend you on just putting out books that uh, definitely touch the soul, that definitely inspire us to to keep on reading and to keep on well, thank you know you. Uh, wanting to do better. Absolutely, thank you so Absolutely. much for that. I really appreciate it, and, and that is that's my hope is that these issues will help somebody. My prayer is it can help at least one person, hopefully many. And uh, when I received the email messages from readers saying that they could relate to the storyline or that what happened to the character happened to them and maybe that's why they're not going to make a bad decision that the character made, then you, you feel like uh, your work has not been in, you know, been in vain and that it is you know, well worth continuing to do what you're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, of course, at the end of the day, uh, when people uh, purchase your book, um, what is your what is your ultimate goal uh, when it comes to um, writing and putting out books? What is Kimberly's ultimate goal? My ultimate goal with my writing, and, and that's with every single book and any that mm-hmm. I may be blessed to go on and write in the future, is that readers will read it as a story, as fiction, that it will be entertaining but that there will always be at least some message that rings through by the time Mm -hmm. they're turning the very last page. And either it will help them or a family member or a friend or someone, you know, that they know in their lives. So that's, that's my hope. Absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And I definitely want to thank you for coming on this evening. I've truly enjoyed having you on the show. Um, I thank you for taking the time to come on here and share with the listeners and myself. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity, and I've certainly enjoyed my time with you. So thank you again. Absolutely, and for the folks out there who may want to connect with you as far as social media, they want to know when uh, you're going to be doing those book signings in their cities, um, how how can they connect with you? 
they can actually go to my website, kimroby.com, and we uh, continually put out any events that I have. I've actually just finished up my release tour for A Sinful Calling, but I will, of course, have a couple of other events tentatively uh, in the fall and definitely as we move into January, February, and March when Copycat is released. Absolutely, absolutely. We definitely uh, will be looking forward to that, and I hope that you'll definitely come back and visit with us again over here on the beautiful Butterfly well, Show. thank you. If you'll have me, I would love to, so thank you. Absolutely, and I hope you have a great rest of your evening, and we'll be talking with you again soon. Okay, take care now. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, you guys, that was Arthur Kimberly Lawson Robbie. Uh, you guys, make sure you go and purchase and check out her new release, guys. I'm telling you, you're going to be in store for a treat, a sinful calling um, available at all book retailers. I'm telling you guys, I've seen it at Barnes & Noble, um, Walmart. Uh, you name it, uh, you can get it. So uh, if you're one of those who, you know, you like to put it on your um, Kindle and so forth, you can do that too. Uh, just go and purchase the books. They are definitely awesome, definitely amazing, truly, truly inspiring books. And so we want to thank everybody so much for tuning in. To those of you on the phone line who call from various cities, I appreciate you taking the time to tune in to the show tonight. I definitely appreciate you guys, and I hope that you'll join us again. We'll be back on Thursday. Same time, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Uh, let me know what you thought about the show today. You can email us at thebfyshow at gmail.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter at Butterfly Show or on Facebook, Bianca Fly. I would love to hear from you guys. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you to Kimberly Lawson, Robbie, for coming on the show tonight, spectacular author. I'm uh, definitely looking forward to what she's going to have in store for us coming soon. Make sure you guys go and purchase A Sinful Calling. It is an incredible book. So with that said, you guys, we are going to get ready to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I hope you have a great, great, great rest of your weekend. The Beautiful Butterfly Show would like to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's at Instagram.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. Also on Facebook.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And last but certainly not least, you can also catch up with us on Twitter. That's at Twitter.com forward slash the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And thank you once again for tuning in on behalf of the Vibration Radio Network.
got.